even if you had that almanac that Biff Tannen got, yeah. I don't think it would help you right now because that only went up to the year like 2000, I think. Oh, that's a good point. I, I don't think it was even a new book when he bought it. It was like he went to a used bookstore to get the sports almanac. It, it, yeah, it only went up to like 2000. I think so. You think, yeah. Do you think that like if you went back in time, I, I, like if you were Biff and you went back in time with that almanac and you started betting on things, pretty soon wouldn't you change the nature of reality? Because all of a sudden there's this rich guy you know, what happens if you go to a nightclub, you get in a fist fight with Joe DiMaggio, he breaks you, his hand, punches you, you out. Aren't you describing like the, the problem? Like, aren't you describing what happens in Back to the Future 2? I just mean that very quickly, you wouldn't be able to bet the win on betting anymore because you, by virtue of being this rich guy, the almanac would become worthless pretty quickly. I also think like if you play sporting events a hundred times, they would they would come out a hundred different ways. You know, like the future isn't predestined. It's not like, you know, the, the Giants won the World Series one year. So if you play that season a hundred times, it doesn't mean they would win every time. There's no destiny. Like, it just yeah. bounces and things happen strangely. So I'm saying Biff goes back in time. He bets on okay. some things. He gets some money. He goes to a nightclub. He gets in a fist fight with Joe DiMaggio. Joe DiMaggio punches Biff out, breaking his uh, his knuckles or something. Mm -hmm. He can't play that day. The, the Yankees then don't play in the World Series that year or whatever, and the other team wins. And then this changes everything. And, all, and now... This book is worthless. Okay. I think if we don't start the podcast now, then oh. um, the Giants are going to lose. Uh, our, but our guest is coming from LA. Maybe he, does, he wants that. Maybe he wants the Dodgers to win. Hello and welcome to Every Damn Thing. It's a podcast where we rank everything. I'm Phil. And I'm Jake. And we're here to guide you through the list of everything. Each episode, we take items and tell you where they rank on the list of everything. A list can be viewed by going to everydamthing.net. You can find a link in the show notes. Uh, yeah, so we've known each other since freshman year in college. Once, while learning to read music. If I recall correctly, we lied about our ability to do this on our college application. That's right. Uh, we were learning to read from a book where the letters were musical notes and the story was a song. Musical people that are listening will understand this. Anyway, it turned out the book of song stories was really a ranked list of everything. We memorized the list, of course, but then the horn player standing next to us. It was a trombone. Blew so hard that it blasted the sheets of music all over the place. It's not a tuba. The list was lost for all time. Also, the note he played was so off or flat or whatever. We know a lot about music. Um, it destroyed our memories of the list. We can now only access the list little bits at a time through a scientific process called shooting the shit. That's how, with the help of uh, friends and listeners, we reassemble the list of every damn thing. Which is now at 203 items with Dolly Parton at the top and Transphobia at the bottom. Cheech and Chong and Tulsa Time are in the middle of the list. When you say Tulsa Time is in the middle, you're not talking about the middle of the United States. You're talking about the middle of the list, right? Well, Tulsa Time is the, aren't they on the central time zone, which is no, the Yeah, well, it is, of course. But you, we were talking about the song, which is in the middle of the list, not the time zone, which is yes, in the yes, middle exactly, of the United States. Exactly. Of course. Cool. Uh, so anyways, if you want to look at the complete list, go to everydamthing.net. You can find a link in the show notes. And um, today we are joined by uh, our buddy Andrew Black from Laughing Matter, The Explosion. Uh, Primals? Is Primals still a going thing? Primals is on hiatus. Okay. And, uh, yeah. Uh, thank you for having me. Um, what's the first thing we're going to rank today? You're going to get us on track, Jay. You want to get straight into it? Um, first, okay. uh, you want me to rededicate myself to taking this seriously and oh, to uh, no, no, total no, effort no, no. and to not waste the listener's time? No, no, no. It's not necessary. Right. You've done that enough times. Um, <laughs> Andrew, when I confirmed that you were going to come on, um, or actually this inspired me to ask you to come on, was I was listening to you on another podcast, Toby's podcast, and you were talking about how you um, were in a drumline in high school. And one of Phil's favorite movies is Drumline. Um, he's not a drummer like you. Um, I don't think I had ever seen Drumline, but I knew that we had to get you on to talk about the movie Drumline, and we could talk about Drumlining, and we could rank the movie Drumline. Drumlining, is that a thing? Is that what you... Uh... Uh, I guess it's not a verb. <laughs> you don't like saying, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm going say on the DL. Like, um, you might say you're on the on the drum line or you're on the line, you know. All right. Okay. All right. So anyways, drumline um, the movie is what we're going to rank. And this the 2002, not, uh, I guess you would say sports comedy, the musical slash comedy. I mean, I, it's also like a, a drama. And sorry, <laughs> Nick Cannon, directed by Charles Stone III. Uh, we're going to rank it on this list. Who suggested this movie, by the way? Nobody. I guess the suggestion's for me. So yeah. we do. We the, Our second thing will be a listener submission. Well, you're somebody, Jake. I am somebody, we're yeah. And I'm somebody, a listener. Man. Yeah. Don't sell true. yourself short. <laughs> so Zoe Saldana is in it also, I realized when I watched it. Oh, yeah. And Orlando Jones. Uh, yeah, and Orlando yeah. Jones sparkles in it, man. Orlando Jones also did Sprite commercials. He was oh, the 7-Up, yeah. make 7-Up yours guy. That was his thing. Now, okay. now, the director of this movie is Charles M. Stone III. And Charles Stone III is the guy who created the Budweiser What's Up ads. This oh, would no, have been sorry. like... 
Yeah, yeah. That was like that was him. And he um he did a bunch of music videos too, like going back into the nineties and uh and, and like uh pretty interesting guy. The movie is was originally started out as the, the pitch was it was about this one guy, Dallas Austin, who's a rec- record producer. He made Motown Philly, which I think is on our list. Be, uh, he, Bell it's it, it's like kind of about his life because he couldn't read music and he showed up as a freshman and he was in a band, but it was about high school band. It's not about a college band. And then right. when he took it to the, uh, to the movie studio and it was in turnaround for a long time when they're like, why don't we put it in college? Wouldn't that make more sense? It would be better. We can age it up a little bit. So like they took the initial pitch and they kind of changed it around. And Andrew, you're in, you were in drumline in high school, but were you, in, you, you went to college, but you weren't in drumline in college, were you? No, I, um, I, I wanted to pursue like kind of being in bands and music instead of like, because like, you know, like the film Drubline um, depicts, it's, it's kind of a grueling schedule in the summertime. Mm-hmm. Like oh, yeah. you really are. Uh, and I was only in high school line, but like from the schedule that was like laid down in the summertime to get ready for marching season in the fall and for the football games and for parades and getting your, your field show for halftime together, it was so much work. And you got um, you got to contact Pete Pablo and like you got to you got to yeah. if you want the show to go off then yeah, yeah. you got to get pyro rigged up on four corners of the field it's a lot of work if you really want the show <laughs> to go off speaking yeah. I'm gonna interrupt you quickly speaking of Pete Pablo I ha- just happened to be in North Carolina today and this is. You took your shirt off and twisted so, like, it like a helicopter. I watched the movie today, but I had already been talking a lot about Pete Pablo this morning before I watched the movie because I woke up in in North Carolina, and we- so it was, it was it was a great surprise when I watched. When Pete Pablo showed up in the movie. When you drove across the border, did you take your shirt off and twist around your head like a helicopter? I was asleep, but I did that as soon as they I got an app that does that now. Actually, I already had my shirt off. Yeah, they have an app that does that for you. Uh so which drum did you play? Um did you play the one that goes like the big one that goes like in front of you, like uh vertically? I, I marched snare for all three oh, years. Nice. There's the oh, like Devin in the movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just like Devin. And I was like, like and, and, and I, was and in I was, high school a historically black college. My high school was not a historically black college, but um, there were some amazing influences like close by, like Howard University's drumline was amazing. In fact, there's this dude that I follow uh, on Instagram named Malik, and he recently went on, I think America's Got Talent or or something like that. And he he survived for a couple rounds, but he's even written kind of like drum licks, like rudimentary licks to be his signature, like, these four bars are me. Wait, oh, so if you heard those, would you say, like, oh, that's him? I know who that guy is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I even took the time to, like, learn it because he put the rudiments, like, up on his Instagram. And so, like, and, and he's also, like, a big, he's not only big in kind of, like, the the snare drum and, like, um, you know, marching band scene. He's also big in the Washington, D.C. go-go scene, too. He's got a lot of friends he grew up with in the go-go community. And it's actually crazy. I was thinking about this. So my freshman year of high school, before I actually joined uh, Drumline in, in my sophomore year, there was a senior named Steve Johnstone. And Steve was friends with a guy named Darnell who transferred to my high school in Montgomery County from Prince George's County, Maryland. And Darnell, I think that was the first time I'd ever seen a cassette tape that was a live go-go PA tape. Because before they were burned on the CDs and before they went digital, the the PA front of house tapes from Go-Go's in Hyattsville and DC, Silver Spring, wherever, they were put on cassette tapes. And so like the marching band was actually the conduit for, for go-go too, because like there were go-go really quick. Yeah, of course. Go-go is this polyrhythmic music that's indigenous to Washington, DC. That's a blend of kind of Western funk of like a traditional kind of like boom, 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 boom with the West African conga pattern that connects on the off rhythms like one and two and three and four and so when you put them together you get this kind of like all pistons firing polyrhythmic assault that like doesn't stop and it's something that like it it's never really broke out commercially in the sense that like there weren't ever go-go songs on the radio nationwide or there was never an artist or a producer that was really associated with that or or, did, or is that is, am i wrong about that that's something i don't know about. well I mean, probably the biggest hit was uh, EU's uh, Experience Unlimited's The Butt. Like, everyone knows The Butt. Yeah, yeah. And and that was a good example of Go-Go that broke out. There were songs that Trouble Funk put out, I think, like, 84, when Good to Go was put out, and the soundtrack was on Interscope Records. Um, 
you know, there, there has been other, you know, Chuck Brown, a lot of people don't know Chuck Brown outside of DC, but, um, Chucky Thompson is a pretty legendary producer who recently passed, but Chucky Thompson was huge in the hip hop world. And a lot of his production was heavily go-go influenced as well. So Chucky Thompson, rest in peace. But, um, so man, your story, it, it's you just talking about a cassette tape. I'm sorry. I interrupted you. The cassette tape came from the, from, you know, like it was like, whoa, what is this polyrhythmic music that like the drum lines can also play? And yeah. so like our drum line, in addition to like learning the field music and like the music for uh, like cadences, you know, like entrance cadences they talk about in the movie Drumline yeah. with Nick Cannon, like um, our drumline cadence was taken from University of Maryland's uh, marching band's drumline cadence. It was called Truck. And it was just you know, what we use to kind of drive forward our entrance. Um, oh, we should look for that. We should find that cadence. Is that a thing that it, like a school would have a cadence and it would pass on from year to year? Like, it, Or does oh, it turn yeah. over when they leave, when the students leave and new ones come in? I mean, it would depend, you know, like a lot of people would, um, you know, go and research what other schools were doing and what other like um, drum corps were doing. They would like pick up ideas and they would adopt certain things but university of maryland i believe had that cadence as long as i can remember going to like games when i was younger and then being at school there so when you were in drumline uh in high school did you ever do the thing where the um two drumlines walked up and faced each other and stared each other down and drummed at the same time and drummed on each other's drums and whatnot like they did in the movie was that like a movie invention um no like uh i'm pretty sure that like you know with larger like bigger bang like more show universities that probably happens but the closest like i ever got in my high school drumline experience was you know opposing bleachers playing different go-go things back and forth across and like we had different cadences that we would play when we were sitting in the stands too so we right. would go back and forth across the field they'd be in their bleachers we'd be in ours on the um, home side, they'd be in the away side. That's depicted in the movie. Yes, there is yeah. a scene when they're Flight of the um, Bumblebee. when he plays Flight of the Bumblebee. Yeah, uh, and it's kind of like a battle scene, you know, because a lot of that movie, it's it's kind of shot like it's a bit of a like an action movie, or you know, like there's a scene when they're in the tunnel and they're going into the field at halftime. I read this interview with the director who was like, "Yeah, it's meant to be like Gladiator or something, you know, where they're going in. There's fear in their eyes; they don't know how it's going to work out." And I feel like they really sold that in the movie. Like it really worked for me. I saw it when it came out, and I've seen it a couple of times since then. You know, when it's on cable, or you know, I just always love that the way I like when they can make a sports movie about something that isn't really thought of as a sport you know like i i also enjoyed bring it on or uh what's the other one about the, the spelling bee the girl doing the spelling Akila and the bee if you ever saw that mm -hmm. it just takes some real imagination because you have to kind of rethink what you know about filming a sports movie because you know you know how to film a baseball movie or how to make a you know a movie where the guy hits the free throw at the end and they, and they win the game but like this is something a little different uh, andrew when when the movie came out did you feel like vindicated was it like were you pumped on it were you did you were you aware of it coming out before it came out and all this stuff and feeling vindicated when it came out i was aware of it but i didn't see it till years afterwards because okay. i thought it was like you know because i thought nick cannon was like a bit ridiculous oh yeah he's but, a disney uh, guy right so, <laughs> so it took me a couple years before i actually said like okay let me just like watch this movie. And then I, and the first time I watched it, I really enjoyed it. And then like, it's funny because I was watching it again the other night and there's this moment where um, the band uh, leader, uh, Orlando Jones, I think is talking to uh, Nick Cannon and he tells him that you're not a good leader yet because you haven't learned how to follow. And yeah. like, it just like hit me so hard because I feel like, there's a lot of stuff in my own personal life. And I feel like a lot of people probably could relate to this. There's a lot of stuff where we kind of like, you know, we've, we've faked it till we've made it to whatever extent, but there's also a part of us that like knows that like, we have to be able to kind of like take direction a little bit better instead of being so headstrong and getting in that, our own ways all the time. That's mm -hmm. what was, I thought was so good about this movie is it's in a lot of ways, it's like Top Gun or it's like a, a Tom Cruise type movie, right? Except- yeah. Nick Cannon, who is in the Tom Cruise role, his character has to like take a step back. He has to learn to listen. And the rival, instead of humiliating the rival and like showing him up, he has something to learn from him. He like, ha and they help each other. And, and it's kind of like, it doesn't, I don't know if that exact, I don't remember it's Top Gun too well. Maybe I'm misremembering Top Gun, but it seems like it's, that's not really how, how Top Gun works out. In Top Gun, there's some tragedy or whatnot, but it's about learning that like, vir like virtuosity isn't what's important. You need to like actually be part of a team and, and you don't really see that. Like nowadays, most things, especially things for kids, I got a kid, so I'm sensitive to this kind of stuff. 
like so many stories, the point of the story is you can do whatever you want and you don't have to listen to any criticism and like, like fuck the haters basically is like the, like the moral of, of children's stories, which is fine. I mean, I guess it's good. It's, but like, but like this one is good because it's about like, yeah, you, you have your own, like the, 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 the name of the game is like to be part of this team and to be part of this group. It's the, better than the, the sum of its parts. It makes that movie stand out a little bit. And, um, and it's crazy. Cause there's a scene in the movie where um, I think it's like after Nick, Cannon's kind of gotten checked and maybe it's after he's like been discovered that he doesn't know how to read uh, sheet music and stuff like that. But um, there's a scene showing where he's working on reading music and like, you know, the bass drums are working together and it's like, they're basically having little small sectionals within the drum line Mm -hmm. because that's what you have to do. And before you can put everything together, you've got to break out and get the bass drums right. And you've got to get the quads right. And you've got to get the snares tight and you've got the cymbal players like together and you've got to get their visuals symmetrical. Mm -hmm. So there's so much individual work in each department before you even try to tie it all together. And they didn't even show that until like two thirds through the movie. They just show, you know, these guys coming together and then going out in the field, you know, you know, and it's like so much of of core is just sitting around and like my teacher at the time, it was funny. His name was uh, Bill Holland. Um, and it was funny because in the nineties, there was this movie that came out called Mr. Holland's Opus. And he was like, oh, Mr. Uh, Holland. Yeah. And, <laughs> uh, situation. Yeah. And so Mr. Holland, he would always just be, and Mr. C was his, uh, his like assistant uh, teacher. Like they would both just be like, um, take them, take the drums, you know? And when I was a sophomore and um, George Diaz and, Steve Johnstone had moved on. Um, we would always just break off and we would have to learn our parts ourselves. And it's so difficult because uh, Jake, to answer your question earlier. So I marched snare. I was one yeah. of five snares. And then we had two quad players and the quads are the ones that have the four, four, drums, um, yeah. four drums all together on one little like plate. And then we had two cymbal players and then we had five tonal bass drums and the tonal bass drums is different diameter sizes. So you can do a line of like, lowest bass drum to highest bass drum like you know and each one of those people is essentially just two hits yeah 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 you have to know everything though you have to be in total cooperation with the people around you though and you have to be marching at the same time. Oh, so even man. when you're just practicing your parts to get your section together before you're part of the line, your mark time, mark, left, left, right, left, oh, right, Jesus. left, right, left, right. Wait. So you're marching the entire time that you're learning how to do this. But wait a minute. Uh, you're marching in up, place. This yeah. has come up in talking about this movie before because uh, other I know other drummers who have seen this movie. Um, does it? Like Nick Cannon is not actually drumming in it. They got a double for him from for most of this drumming part. Does it bother you just that they're not drummers? That they're you know they're not musicians. They have actors doing this. Or are you impressed that they attempted? I don't. It's Hollywood. I don't know. Yeah, if you get offended like that, um, all all drummer parts should only be represented by real drummers. Uh, <laughs> or guitar. You know, whenever you see people playing a guitar, and you're like that guy. Okay, two two questions I have. So you're talking about um, I guess the bass drum, right? Mm-hmm. And I noticed that in the movie, there's a couple parts where um, one bass drum player challenges another one to take his spots. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was weird that the, it seemed to me that the, the, they had different sizes of drums. I was kind of like, this guy, these guys seem like they're playing dis- different instruments. How would this guy be taking that guy's spot? Or, am I right in that or not? Would you, you take the spot of somebody that plays the same tone as you? Uh, okay, that's that's pretty correct. You know okay, what I mean? Cool. But a lot of the time, the the parts written for bass drum. Um, they can be in unison. They don't have to be staggered or anything like that. But like, I think composers take advantage of the fact that they can use like a run and put like a note, like a tonal notation to bass drums, you know? Just to but, make it for, um, as a little flare or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I'm but, glad you brought that up too, because that challenge is yeah. something that I propose you could introduce to Uh-oh. your list. Uh-oh. Oh, where people challenge you, you bring something up and you challenge something else with it. Or what do you mean? Like if someone says like, oh, well, I argue that that, you know, like needs to be, you know, above yeah. crushed, crushed and ice how, and how would or something like that. I don't, yeah. well, I think you would have to return to the, um, you know, the scientific method of talking 
Yeah. Of, uh, oh, shooting the shit. Yeah. Shooting the shit. Yeah. We'd have to return to that scientific method. Yeah. We, we could open the floor. We can't, we can't change it too much because it, it opens a hole in the universe and it like puts, yeah. it puts things in danger, but uh, we can, we, we can talk about it. Like that's we, something that we could discuss. We have had one episode where we, we this happened a, a couple months ago. We solicited our listeners to uh, give us nominations for uh, something that's on their list to re-rank. And then we had an episode when the, the thing that won was the, uh, was the topic of sex. Um, with people that thought item. we ranked it too low. So. People thought we ranked it too low, so we um, we re uh, relitigated that on a special episode that Dave Haas was on. So we, sex did get re ranked. It got moved up by like ten spots or something like that. Um, yeah. So it happens. So, it's not unheard of, but it's like like we try to get it right the first time, so we don't have to do that. I, well, no, I mean I was listening to the episode with Matt and yeah. you know uh, with Matt Hawk, my Matt former Hawk, yeah. bandmate from the Explosion, and mm-hmm. it just sounded like you know some of the rationale was kind of like perplexing him and like he didn't understand it. But <laughs> and then it made me feel like oh, it's kind of just like Congress or Senate. Yeah. You know, it's like you've got some things on the docket, you've got some things you bring forward, and you know what we got to do? We got to talk it out and figure where they yeah. lie in and, order and, of. And Sometimes that can be frustrating, you know. Yeah. But speaking of uh, the explosion, you're the third member of the explosion to be uh, on this podcast, and eventually, I, I, I plan to get all five. I, I want to try to get Damien on and Chris on sometime. You got to catch, catch them all. Got to catch them all. Yeah, exactly. Phil knows what I'm talking about. That's our motto. Um, <laughs> uh, so, so, uh, but I want to ask one more question. I'm sorry. The 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 climax at the end where um one drumline does one, there's a tie in the fucking drumline contest. They face off. Uh, the bad guys do a thing. And then the good guys do a thing. It, I was—it's hard for me to tell if it was really clear that what bad the good guys, guys was doing. They have hey, an unscrupulous teacher, but the, he's the actually, unscrupulous teacher. Yeah, exactly. By the, by the unscrupulous teacher is great. That's a great performance by that guy. Yeah, for, I thought that I saw that the protagonist team, the good guy team, what they did demonstrated more like uh, working together than the other one. Is I mean, could you tell that one thing was better than the other in that climax? Well, I think they had the kind of benefit of going like they they each played three cadences, I believe, at the end. And what was it? Uh, Georgia A and T, the school with Nick yeah, Cannon. Brown. They had the benefit of going, uh, you know, last. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they also had the benefit of having um, the the use of their backup set of sticks. You know, oh. and and using that as. Because if you recall, the team, uh, the bad guys, <laughs> yeah. um, the, the, the articulated, uh, well, well-trained musician from the yeah. other school, you know, they threw their sticks away in their last, uh-huh. like, hurrah. And so, for whatever reason, maybe, you know, um, Atlanta A&T had it up their sleeve. They're like, oh, like, if we ever, like, really, you know, want to do that or someone ever pulls that trick, you know what I mean? Because a lot of those tricks, a lot of, like, you know... The the visuals, oh, you know, drumsticks, like, cool, yeah, dude, right, yeah. <laughs> oh, nice. yeah, like a lot of those visuals and going from like drum to drum to drum, like a lot of those visuals are um they're passed around, you know, yeah. a lot of schools and a lot of um teachers and a lot of drum corps leaders, you know, they they a lot of routines get recycled, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, totally, totally. It's just a matter of timing and timing it to where people might not remember it as good or something like that, I imagine. So, Jake, um, when you first saw Drumline, or, or Andy either, like, so the thing about, there's a character in it, he's a white guy, right? And apparently that guy was put into the movie fairly late in the game oh. because what happened was the producers, uh, like the studio said, look, the budget is, let's say, 15 million. We can give you the extra 5 million you need to make the movie because you have to be in the in the Georgia Dome or, you know, you got to right. be here. You have to put Gotta a white character in it or brought in the appeal. I, and, and so the guy went to like college and he saw this white guy in one of these bands and he talked to him and he's like, uh, what's up with you at this college? And he said, oh yeah, I just, you know, I grew up in this area and I always wanted to be yeah. in this band. And, and um, he's like, oh yeah, he kind of wrote that into the character, right? But I was thinking like, it doesn't necessarily, that guy doesn't make the the appeal much broader to me. Like, I, It's hard to imagine like somebody on the fence about going to see that movie and then they see that one white face and they're like, you know what, I'm going to go watch that movie instead of seeing uh whatever else was out that month yeah same same for me um maybe a teen would care i don't know like yeah Mm -hmm. maybe maybe there's like some margin that would like they see a shot of that guy in the preview and be like oh i guess i'm represented i'll go see it or whatever (laughs) it's it's kind of it's kind of weird that that's how the the studio works though that's how like the mind in the studio work um yeah so nick cannon wasn't wasn't like they had other people in mind like that auditioned for this movie that's the thing that interested me because i i always think like nick cannon kind of rose me the wrong way in it he's like real 
something about Nick Cannon. Uh, yeah. It, it just, I'm, I'm not crazy about. So apparently, like Lil Wayne auditioned. Well, really? I auditioned. Oh, shit. Yeah, well, Lil Wayne would have been real young at the time. Yeah, he would have been. Yeah, really he would. Yeah. And I wonder. If uh, sure and I was thinking of like other people, other like guys who could have played that part who are about the same age. Like Tyrese is a is a similar age. It's, you know? it's funny. I kept on thinking of people who are like uh, like a generation, not a generation, but like a, a cohort below him. Like uh, I kept on seeing um, Michael B. Jordan in that role. Mm-hmm. Like I think he'd be he'd have been great in it, but he obviously was really young at the time. So yeah, or he pretty been young just a kid. Well, I mean, yeah. when was the, the Wire? I guess was a little bit later, and in the Wire, he he was pretty young. So yeah, yeah. Um, and then, like, you think like it could have been I don't know, it could have been Anthony Mackinney or Tyrese or Lil Rel or someone who's around the around the same age as him. But I guess he kind of works though. They said the reason he, he worked in that he he got through the auditions is he had like a vulnerability that other people didn't try to show. Other people were trying to do Tom oh, Cruise, gotcha. right? Yeah, yeah, when yeah. they audition, they're like, I want to be the coolest guy. You know, I I don't fuck up. And there's a there is a vulnerability to him, but uh, I kind of find him uh, difficult to watch. And yeah. so, like, and he's at the heart of the movie. He's like the star of the movie. Whereas a lot of the other performances I really like, I like the rival a lot. Sean Taylor is the character's name. I don't know the actor. Something yeah. Leonard, I wrote it down. But I thought that that's a great performance. And it's kind of like the Val Kilmer role, right? Where you're not supposed to be sympathetic, but you're supposed to be, he's not an enemy, he's a rival, right? Yeah. And that guy did a really good job too. Just like all, across the board, I think it's just like exciting, you know? And to make something... Um, I'm not familiar with, like, I don't know anything about HBCU college, especially, you know, then since then I've watched some stuff on YouTube, you know, but that's something I don't know anything about. Most of the audience doesn't either. And, and it it was like a pretty broadly successful movie with like a long life on cable and whatnot afterwards. I don't know. I just think like, I I think it's a high point. I like it more than I like bringing on. I know bringing on is not on the list. I'm not on board with that opinion, but you're right. Bringing it on is not on the list, so um, I'm a big. I like it more than Akila and B, which is also not on the list. Which I don't know if you've ever seen. I haven't but seen you should that. See it. Should we look at the list? Are you guys ready to? Yeah, I'm ready to look at the list. I don't know if I'm ready to place it just yet. Okay. Um, what are some other movies on the list? So the highest ranked movie, I think, is Caddyshack. Mm-hmm. Gotta yeah. say, I like Caddyshack more than this. Andy, what do you think, Andrew? Well, I was noticing that snare drums is on the list. And I, was ex- <laughs> yeah. I, I was expecting like this, uh, you know, drum line to be somewhere in the middle. You know, I can't imagine many people love it or hate it. It's just kind of there. A, the yeah. are- it's a top heavy list, though. So somewhere in the middle would still, you know. Snare drums pretty- is good. It's, it's a really good uh, thing to bring up. So snare drums is at 64. That was ranked uh, with uh, uh, the other uh, Andrew that's been, um, that's all a drummer that has been on our podcast. Andrew Grinelli um, yeah. was on and ranked snare drums with us. That was, he also su- suggested that. And that's 64, which is actually in the top third of the list. The next movie after that is Enter the Dragon. And I like Drumline more than I like Enter the Dragon. Where's Enter the Dragon? Enter the Dragon is number 86. 86. I think that, uh, well, I mean... Bruce Lee's really cool. Uh, yeah, Bruce Lee's really cool, but like, movie. Well, I'm not talking about Bruce Lee. I'm talking about yeah. Andy I guess we're talking about the movie, movie to movie. Uh, Enter the Dragon is a so-so movie if you take it out of context of just kung fu movies and it, it's like historical context. Uh, and to me, Drumline is a so-so movie. It's it's middle of the road, but it's on the good side of the middle of the road. I'll concede that, Phil. That um, because I know you're really into it. Now. I feel like Drumline is more exciting than Enter the like the fighting and choreography. And yeah, uh, yeah, and, and like you know the editing and whatnot of you're right. Of it's technically fu- like a better made movie than Into the Dragonness, for sure. Yeah. It doesn't. Uh, although there's a love story, movie. there's kind of a boring love story in Drumline. Yeah. I, I like sorry that Zoe Saldana just fine, but it's like I never find the love story that compelling yeah. in movies. I don't know. It's really it's really typical and formulaic. Um, yeah. I'm okay with putting it above Into the Dragon. By the way, I don't want to go through this podcast without noting that Phil uh, at the time when Drumline was about to come out. Phil and I were really into like coming up with uh, our own taglines for movies and the tagline that Phil came up with for drumline was you're going to get percussed out <laughs> you're ready to be percussed out yes, did I like is yes, this what I told you like come see this movie with me you're going to get percussed out yeah <laughs> nice uh, I don't remember saying that, man. I'm proud of myself now. Okay, so let's think about another movie that's on there. It's E.T. the Extraterrestrial. Okay, so right? a lot of people are gonna have trouble putting this putting this higher than. than I'm that. not though. I like it more than E.T. Okay. Um, also, they took the gun out of E.T., so I don't like it as much because they edited the gun. So the one I watched still had the guns in it. So. 
What's that? The one I watched, I think so. Well, then I don't like E.T. as much because there's too many guns in it. It's too violent. Drumline is not as violent, although they do throw punches at one point. Uh, what do, you, do you have a take on this, Andrew? Because I'm, this is where I'm like, I think I'm being a bit generous with allowing it to be above uh, Enter the Dragon. I'm starting to be like more... I mean, Enter the Dragon is a classic. I feel like... If you're if you're talking like from a from a cinematic perspective, I think Enter the Dragon is definitely higher ranked than Drumline. Drumline looks better. I don't know if like, you take if you take Jackie Chan out of it, it's not. I mean, it's you're talking cool, about Bruce Lee. Like, I'm sorry, Bruce yeah. Lee. Jackie Chan is in it, but if you take Bruce Lee out of it and replace yeah. him with Jackie Chan, it's still going to be great, but not quite as good. Plus, he'd be a kid. Jackie Chan would be like, he'd be like, who's this young nineteen year old kid or whatever? I don't think it's as good as Rye Bread. Okay, uh, I would put it below snare drums, right? Because right. snare drums, without snare drums, you can't have drumline. So that's okay. my absolute ceiling. Is okay? Is so snare I'm, drums. I'm fine with that. It can go below snare drums. Snare drums I, are cool. Andrew can Andrew. I, I defer to Andrew on this though, but you know, this seems to me it, it's not possible to put drumline over snare drums. That's like putting you know, you put a BLT over a tomato or something. Well, I think Andrew was ready to put it all as far down as below uh, Enter the Dragon at 86. So, what's your f- floor Phil I mean if snare drums is your ceiling but my you... floor I think is is ET it's better than 70... ET oh come on okay well, we might have okay, to okay 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 then let's okay. you're more invested you might have <laughs> to Carthage. you know what though I, this is the thing unlike you Jake I can compromise my own tastes and I can and I can make and I can I compromise. am compromising no but I am compromising I'm telling okay. you apology accepted man and listen, okay. Car- Wait, hold Car- on a second. Is- I just saw glitter on the list. Hey, yeah, glitter is really fun, eyes, man. No, oh my god! But it's so everything- high on the list. Yeah, it makes it's- everything better. Man. You know it's what fun. though? It's bad. I don't know. Home, and then your wife know. is like, "Why do you have glitter on you?" And you say, "Like, uh, I- how did that happen? Uh, it's something I, I don't know." I was you know? doing crafts. Yeah. Uh, where is glitter? Anyways, what number is that? Glitter is number. It's number sixty-nine. Nice. So, did you want to have it like? a little bit further down so let's say okay what if we put it um beloved below carthage carthage is the city state where they invented the alphabet jake so it's i true. understand yeah. that's a big deal uh, i i'm okay with that i i don't want to i don't want to push too much um you like I, the I, alphabet or do you want to have picked go back to having pictographs to make words like have a hieroglyphic you don't want to do that i do feel like this film is better than glitter well glitter's up at 69 okay so yeah. that's okay what I'm, well, so what if we put it, you what if we put it below Dippin' Sauce and above Glitter? Um, I'm happy with that. Okay, okay. Because it's close to snare drums, and it's, you know, you can't have a line without snares, and snares are, yeah. yeah. And yeah. and also, a lot of people wouldn't know there was such a thing as a snare drum if it wasn't for this movie Drumline. True. Like, Most people would have no idea, would have never heard or seen a snare drum. <laughs> uh, yeah, they by the way, Phil, like, Car- the city of Carthage didn't invent the alphabet. The Phoenicians did, which the city of Carthage was, um, the alphabet was invented wait, way before Carthage. It was, it was Phoenicians that invented the alphabet. Uh, and and Car- Carthage was a Phoenician city, but it wasn't invented in Carthage. I think it was invented before. Anyways. Oh, I was under the, I've been under the impression, like when I want to rank things, I think, well, you can't put it above where the alphabet came from. That's the ABC. Well, the alphabet, favorite, okay, my favorite this? song, you know? Alphabet was passed on to us through Carthage. So that, that logic still stands. So what All are we right. going to put it, the movie Drumline in at 69, moving Glitter to 70? Yeah, okay. So yeah, I'm that's, with it. Uh, I'm, I'm happy not, with that too. If Andrew's I'm, happy with it, he's a guest too. So uh, I'm totally good with making this compromise uh, and keeping that, um, Oh, I'm really good at making compromises, and that's what I like to do. And making compromises um, for the greater good is what I enjoy doing, Jake. We'll just I'm bear like, that in mind that um, I made the compromise this time. Okay, so, okay let's bullet. take a break. Even though the blame's on you, you can put the blame on me. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we'll take a break and come back and make the next thing. Phew, welcome back. Uh, we're going to uh, rank this uh, another thing now. Uh, I don't even know what it is. I'm, I'm in suspense. I'm on the edge of my seat. Okay, so I'll, I'll reveal it to you. It's the it's the movie rating PG-13. This was submitted by our listener, Sarah S. Uh, and it's a it's a type of ratings for movies. It was introduced. So PG, there's a friend of the show, Sarah S., who yeah. used to work at a restaurant where Charles M. Stone III came in to eat one time. Oh. And um, so wow. just that's a connection to it. Um, so PG-13 is a movie rating that came about in the 80s. I remember that there was a lot of talk that there were some PG-rated movies that were a little too hard, like uh, yeah. Temple of Doom or uh, Gremlins, maybe. I think and Temple of Doom was PG-13, wasn't it? Wasn't I know it like that the first PG-13 movie was Red Dawn. I looked it up. Oh, okay. That was the first. I, and I think that was a couple years later. So, um, yeah, it's it's a way of making a movie that you want to have a couple fuck words in it. You want to have maybe some violence, but you, but like... The rules for PG-13 are kind of strange. There's a, a weird kabuki theater aspect to it now. Like, like Star Wars is a solidly PG-13 
franchise now. So it means yeah. there's lots of violence, but there's no blood ever. Yeah. Which is weird because you're like, well, how can there not be any blood? There's all these, you know, it's like you, you can show violence, but you can't show gore or, or the, the consequences of the violence. Um, yeah. You can't show really, I don't think any nudity, maybe. There's no like. I think if, that's the case, although there's weird examples of movies where there is some nudity. When we were kids, PG movies used to kind of, there would be PG movies the, that would have a little bit of nudity in it. Yeah, or they, the ladies would, would pop their top, right? Yeah. You, and, and you think like, how is this happening? Is this real? Am I alive? You know, like, is it a, uh, you're in the, here watching the movie. It's a PG movie. You got, you get in, but you. Okay. Uh, so I'm seeing a thing here that I'm sorry. I just, I just really Googled a rating for uh, Temple of Doom. And it says, I'm seeing the headline of a business insider uh, article. that says Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom created the PG 13 rating, but it, apparently it was, the movie was PG. So I guess you're right. Phil. It was uh, yeah, people said like, oh, they, they tear someone's heart out. And you're like, yeah. look, this shouldn't be a PG movie. I kind of think that the PG 13 rating was a mistake. Oh, is that too hot a take? I don't know. Like, I think the point of it is you want to make, like, what are the best PG-13 movies of all time? And like, why can't they just be PG and R? Like, I, I don't know. It just makes me think like, it's just a way because kids are going to see movies, but you want to like, you want to censor them a little bit because kid teens are going to go see the movies. That's the only people that go see movies. Uh, they should have just moved the R rating down to, so that it was down to like 13 year olds could do it instead of uh, 17 year olds. I feel like. Because... Yeah, it seems like that would be like the answer is just say, if you're over 13, you can go to see these movies. I mean, and then also it leads to like some weird perverse things. Like for example, you know, Batman's in these movies where he's knocking everyone unconscious and giving them severe head trauma. That's a PG-13, but if someone gets cut, you know, like it gets a cut or yeah. if someone says like, I'm pregnant because I had sex. And then they're like, um, they're like, sorry, that's R rated. You, you, know, <laughs> you said you talked, you talked about sex or something. Or, you know, there's like this weird prudishness and it's just like putting different levels in it. It, it makes people they have to play games to get up and down to get, yeah. you know, I, yeah. I remember when I was a kid, they would want to not be a PG movie. And so yeah. Yeah. you would ha make sure like late in the movie, someone would say shit, you know, like in Goonies or something or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Some movie where they would, I know movies where they didn't want to get a G rating. So they would say shit a couple of times. Yeah. And they, the same PG. thing would happen on PG-13 because you yeah. want to be PG-13. Yeah. Yeah. The age of 13 is also kind of an arbitrary number. And I don't ever remember being like carded or stopped by theater. Mm -hmm. Ticket takers to be oh, like, yeah, sorry, we're yeah. 13. I we're, I mean, Phil and I grew up in small town, Ukiah, yeah. and there was one movie theater. And like, they like it might get back to your parents if like you were seen going to a PG 13 without being carded or something like that. Um, I don't feel that was the case. I okay. feel like I was seeing R rated movies there when I was, but you were sneaking into them. No, well, I but I mean, really? that's okay. the I mean, other crazy part. I remember seeing Robocop and being terrified by the <laughs> Robocop origin scene. Robocop but, is but, shocking, man. Yeah, but also at the same time, seeing the heart ripped out of the dude in Indiana Jones uh, in the Temple of Doom, it's kind of like in in my young mind, it was kind of like the same thing. I was like, holy shit, this is insane violence that I've never seen before. Why is this happening? Why, why? <laughs> is this real? Like, am I, I'm watching real people die and getting their hearts <laughs> ripped out. Like, I, you know, I show my kid Raiders of the Lost Ark and I forgot, oh yeah, these Nazis get their faces melted off at the end of the movie. Yeah. Uh, my son is uh, afraid of skeletons, you know? I don't know, yeah. like maybe I shouldn't, a skeleton shows up at the end because the face yeah. gets melted off and he has a, uh, you know, a skeleton and, underneath. I was like, maybe I shouldn't have shown that to him. He and, you know, and so, sleep well tonight. And so that brings me back to the age 13. It's like, who and why was 13 <laughs> decided upon as the age of like, okay, cool. Now you can see this adult content in Weekend at Bernie's. I guess you know? it's maybe because when kids start like really, at least in the 80s, maybe we're starting to really learn about sex. Because I mean, it is true that like, to like I don't think one, it's ever about rating. sex though, because any sex gets you a rated R anyway. I, get, or that's no, I guess. And, well, nowadays there's no sex in movies anyway because I think it's more. That's not about kids. That's about you know they want to sell the movie in India. They want to sell it in Indonesia. Yeah. They want to sell it in uh, in China. So they can't. Audiences there don't want you know uh, so much any sex or nudity. So you can't yeah, have yeah. Kurt Russell giving it to uh, who's the woman he gives it to in that movie? Goldie Hawn. Uh, Overboard. <laughs> yeah, you, you, oh. can't, you can't have stuff like that because it doesn't play as well globally, right? Yeah. Um, Jake and I disagree about Overboard anyway, so. Yeah. We got to bear in mind that we're not ranking PG-13 movies. We're ranking the, the actual rating of PG-13. So true. Like, Without the rating system, I think things might be better. Yeah, I think I, I agree. So I, I will say that, like, the, I think they decided on, PG, on 13 because uh, otherwise there's one rating PG that covers anybody from whatever, a very young age to, to 18 or whatnot. I think it's 17. I think ours for under 17. Okay. Yeah, they're all uh, arbitrary numbers. They just pick yeah. it out of a hat. Like, why not? PG-13 specifically is almost more of a marketing thing 
then that's what I'm saying. Good point. It's almost like saying like, Hey kids, do you want to see this? You know what I mean? It's almost like not a great marketing tool. Was there ever a time in your life when you were choosing between two movies as a kid and you were talking with your friends and you're like, what should we see? And you're like, let's go see this one. PG 13. Uh, yeah. We might hear some folks in this. I, I think so. I think so. And of I was, course. And I was probably yeah. under 13 and, and able to go see it. It was aspirational. You're like, oh, man, think about being 13, getting yeah. in fist fights and there's no blood and yeah. uh, getting to say uh, F-bombs once in a while. Oh, yeah. my God. It must be great. The other strange thing is that like a lot of like, you know, I remember uh, Adventures in Babysitting had a PG-13 rating. I yeah, think. that's one of the early ones, too. I remember that. And I um, I really... I enjoyed seeing that movie when I was a kid, but I was trying to think back yesterday night about like what in that movie made it like scary, you know? And I think Ferris Bueller's Day Off did too. And I know there's a lot of cuss in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And, Is there though? Yeah, not, there's just, not there's just enough. But like, um, uh, but the other one, not Ferris Bueller's Day Off, the other one I was just talking about. There's oh, like, babysitting. Yeah, there's that scene where like the little girl meets her like idol Thor in the parking lot, you know? Yeah. And like, as a young kid, it's almost like Hollywood- whether it's the parking attendant in Chicago in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, or whether it's this guy in the parking garage, the the tow truck driver Thor, it's like it's weird how Hollywood just like tries to use poverty and you know city <laughs> scenes. Oh, like city scenes to like scare people, like the, like DC Cab. Well, yeah, like DC yeah. Cab was like a great yeah. like depiction of DC in the '80s. That was like, oh, watch out for inner city. It's like. Terrifying place. I mean, I guess the extreme case would be like Escape from New York. Like, think about the scary part of, of Adventures in Babysitting is that they are in the city. Yeah. At night. Yeah. You know, you like, know, yeah. you know, Hank, you know, Hank Williams Jr. is watching that, being like, "Yeah, man, stay out of that city." Yeah. <laughs> he's biting. Like, he's biting his nails. <laughs> yeah. It's like Judgment uh, Night light. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Judgment Night is it? Like that's a, it's yeah that's a horror movie and it's like these guys from the suburbs they're like coming out they have an RV they rented or something. Yeah, I, I think they're going to a sports game, soundtrack. maybe. Soundtrack oh, was yeah. amazing. Helmet, oh, yeah. House of Pain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I never saw that. I, didn't, I thought there, that was more you of like... You probably a, heard the soundtrack. It was like... Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a teenage uh, fan club and um, De La Soul, oh. uh, Sonic Youth and Cypress Hill. I want to say... Uh, uh, oh, that had, that, that, had, wait, that had the Biohazard Onyx song on it, right? Mm-hmm. Is it that? Okay, mm. totally. No? That wasn't on it. Slam was uh, like a, it's independent release. It was on an Onyx record. Um, but oh, there was okay. a Slayer and Body Count song. I feel like Howard the Duck, which is on our list, was it had a PG-13 rating. If it mainly wasn't, it kind of should have been. It had duck tits in it. Uh, yeah, it should have been PG-13 if it wasn't. I don't think yeah. it was, though. I think it was even before. He's, a, he's definitely a PG-13 character. That's probably one of the one of the reasons why they said, you know what? We got to create something called PG-13. Because yeah. we can't make a specific thing that says duck tits and put it on the uh, <laughs> those are birds, you know. Like you know, my son watches a, a, a cartoon. It's like a Donald Duck type uh, Ducktales, yeah. in which some of the ducks have ponytails. Like they, I don't like that. It's it's like it doesn't seem right to me. Like how can they have a ponytail? That's sorry, I, I see you looking ponies. at your watch when I'm saying this. No, no, sorry, I, I'm getting texts. Uh, <laughs> okay, but, but yeah, you get a text that says, "Don't feel like we're talking about Ducktales." <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, uh, ducks aren't mammals. We get it. Um, Signed, Andrew. Um. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Andrew, uh, what do you think about the rating system? Where do you think it should go? I would say it might be in like like the bottom third because as you were saying before it's like a rating system that's kind of a marketing ploy at 153 we have speed limits uh which is in the bottom third um it's almost in the bottom quarter and i think that they're one of the most more one of the more comparable things to the thing is i kind of think speed limits are necessary i don't always like it when i'm you know when the cop pulls me over because i've been going 100 yeah yeah uh especially like uh, i'm in a maserati or something you know yeah yeah um but uh, speed limits do save people's lives. I think. I think if we had no speed limits, I think more people would die in cars. Maybe crash. if they, if maybe if we didn't have speed limits, people wouldn't be like, "Oh, it says sixty-five. That means I should try to go seventy or 80. Oh, you think you people know? would just use their best judgment and their better? Their it's judgment kind of a, be- it's kind of a marketing ploy to get people to speed <laughs> so that they can give you tickets oh, okay, and fucking okay. fill their coffers, man. Down so in do Sacramento. you think they should? Do you think it should go above speed limits or below speed limits? I think you should go below. I, I actually, I, I take back what I said. I agree with you. Um, You're uh, playing I, devil's advocate. I, I was. You're playing make go angry, disagree with him. Uh, do you agree with that, Andrew? Below speed limits. Uh, yeah, it's definitely. I know you're a motorcycle guy, right? Aren't you? No, you? no, okay. I'm not. I'll just, I'll, I'll cut that out. Okay, I got one. I don't, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to disparage your good reputation. <laughs> Jake, I got one that's comparable. Band aids as fashion. So okay. this is kind of like the. It's one sixty. The PG-13 is a rating 
it's like it's a band-aid meaning it's a fix for something that's not a problem the problem is oh these children uh they're watching someone's heart get taken out in temple of doom they watch a creature get fed after midnight and now it's evil how are they going to deal with it these kids are you know what are we doing to our children not i don't think it's a real problem and it's being cured by this band-aid on it which is which is like a band-aid for fashion as a you're making a good metaphor yeah, I, I I get I get what you're saying now. The it's a ba- it's like a band aid because it's meant to heal something. Or but it's just there for fashion. It's really there for show. Yeah. Wow. So, but it but it doesn't even look as good. So it should go below that. I think as well. Too. Okay. Okay. Well, um, then uh, next, like, what about a little further down? The, a man bun, the hairstyle. Now, man bun hairstyle. There's people who can pull it off. I can't. But it's kind of like. Uh, you, you need to tie it back sometime. I know? want to say worse. I want to jump even further down to, to, to 170, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, which is... That's a PG-13 movie, too. It's mostly a great movie. There's a couple of really offensive words in it, um, and that's and that's what knocks it down as far as it does. It probably um, didn't make get it to PG-13 rating at the time, though. Right. So And mm-hmm. right below that, so that's 170. Right below that is 171. Yeah, you're right. Even despite this terrible word they said in it, um, it should have got a worse rating, but... Um, it, uh, below that, Steve Jobs, one seventy one. Who I, th- I think I don't think he's a really good person. You you have an iPhone and you like it. Yeah, if iPhone might not exist without that. I guy. would have something else that I would like. I, I I'm not sure. You're right. You're right. He does deserve credit for. Oh, like a cross you wore around your neck or something. <laughs> or like you, you would have found religion or something, or you had, had I don't know, yeah. you worked in a charity or something. I don't know. Yeah, or I'd have like a, a flask where my iPhone goes and <laughs> just use that for the same purposes instead. I don't know. Okay. Like that's I'm think I want to make an argument for more somewhere in in that region. Um, uh, above, yeah. above Hulk Hogan because Hulk Hogan says uh, even worse. A lot things. of this is like where people go when they 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 said some stuff and you got some insight into how they think. Where yeah. you're like, oh, I, I don't really like that guy so much. Whereas a PG-13 is what it is. It's like. Yeah. It, it, there's no secrets about about it maybe it's like oreos oreos are a thing yeah that I, i'm not i don't really like some people like it i guess it's necessary because you have all this stuff that you have to get rid of and so you put yeah. it in between these these cookies and you sell yeah. it put that in your mouth yeah like what are we going to do with this shit well same with pg-13 it's like we got to put something in a theater the uh, teenagers go to movies so we have to make it for them but we want to sh- and, and all they want to see are tits and cuss words and, and people <laughs> shooting each other so like how can we give that to them without also not giving it to them which uh, is like, that's the problem that the PG-13 solves. Around Oreos is where I stopped giving a shit about exactly where it goes. Um, so <laughs> I, I would I would be okay with it going either above or below Oreos, I feel like. All right, let, I want to hear about Andrew. Like, maybe we have it all wrong. Maybe he wants to pick it up a little higher or lower. No, around Oreos sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like, you know, it's definitely better than Bill and Ted face the music. Let's put it uh, underneath blood cool. because there's no blood in PG-13 movies. Oh, yeah. So we put it below blood or above blood? Yeah, because they don't, they don't use squibs anymore. They like, you know. Well, should it go above blood or below blood? No, below blood. Blood is good. You need blood. Yeah, you need it in movies to. Yeah, but you need it in life. Your blood has to go through your body. Mm-hmm. It circulates. It brings oxygen from your lungs to all your uh, organs and whatnot. You need I it mean, to. If you whatever trust doctors. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> who, who was your guest to discuss blood? I think that was early before we were really having guests. We just, we, if I remember correctly, I think that was it, like episode two, maybe that we did. Blood. Also, that. think about blood versus PG thirteen. You can spell blood with your hands. You know how you go like oh, this. Oh, that's a fucking really good argument for. And you dude. cannot do that with PG thirteen. Well, yeah. yeah, you can't even spell thirteen with your hands because you don't have enough fingers. Yeah, Roman numerals. You could do but, it. I mean, but blood is so far down this list. It's like air and water. It's, 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 like, also, kind of, it's also kind of gross. It, yeah, it stains. It, yeah, it's disgusting. I know, but it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, it's universal. It's in. Yeah, but like, um, imagine drinking a glass of blood. I know, but I'm not thinking about it like that. <laughs> but now you got to think, that's the thing. We had to think it like it. And once you're thinking about drinking a glass of blood, you're like, oh, this is awful. There are people, you know, it, it's like in Kenya, they put blood into the milk. They're yeah. like, oh, this is my meal. You know, I I, I cut the cow a little it's bit and get some cow blood in there. I mean, a lot of people put blood inside their steak. They, oh, yeah. they tell them to cook it really rare, which so they get it, they put it down there, and they put a bunch of blood in it. Well, they don't call it blood. They 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 think about it like, oh, it's meat juice or it's yeah. like animal liquid or whatever. <laughs> is that all we are? We're just walking bags of meat juice and yeah. blood. We're just yeah, blood just... capsules walking around. <laughs> and skeletons. Yeah, which, that's why blood gets right. When you think about blood too long, you start to not like it. I, maybe <laughs> if, you, if you have a twisted mindset, you're a vampire, you know, yep. something like that. But that's not what we are. So, you know, we don't have any on the, on the show that time. So I'm ready to put it below <laughs> blood if you are. Yeah, I, I'm ready to. I, I would like to make a motion to put it in at uh, 167, taking the place of Oreos. So that'll be 168 then. It moves oh. Oreos to 169. Okay. 
Okay. So PG-13. Parental uh, Guidance, 13. <laughs> goes in at uh, 168, moving Oreos uh, to 169. So we've ranked two things. That's great. The list is now what now? 205? Yeah. 205 things ranked, which is awesome. Uh, Andrew, um, tell us what you got going on. Um, I listened recently to the Laughing Matters stuff um, that you put up as demos, right? You put up on um, Spotify? Said, yeah, yeah. Uh, laughing. Thank you. Thank you for checking it out, man. Um, we're getting ready to play some shows, our, our first shows, and um, we're just kind of writing right now. We're trying to like, just like write a bunch of songs. We have a, a round of demos that we did earlier this year on uh, spring that we're going to toss up relatively soon. But right now, it's just those four songs at uh, Laughing Matter LA uh, on Instagram, and there's a link to uh, Spotify. We'll, we'll, we'll put a link in show notes. show notes. Yeah, yeah. awesome. Thank Anything you. else? Right now, um, just working on a couple other things with some um, go-go producers from Washington, D.C. that I'm uh, kind of excited to see how that might unfold. I don't want to get too into detail about okay. it, but yeah. uh, I'm very excited to share that with the world if it comes to fruition the way uh, me and my uh, friend are talking about it. So We'll link to, to your Instagram too. People can follow you and find out more about that stuff Right on. as it comes out. Right. But um, most thing I think I'm excited about right now is just the fact that like during the pandemic, I was able to breathe some life into this new band. And um, it was nice being asked. It was um, it was originally Sam Veldy from Bluebird and Obliterations and John Coyle from Outspoken. And they had written some songs and they asked me to play. And so I met John and then they I asked them if they knew anybody um, that they wanted to play bass. They didn't have any ideas off the top of their head. So my friend, Michael Cotterman, who I used to live with oh, in Washington, D.C., he was in Loved Ones. He played yep. with Dave Hawes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So Michael Cotterman, he was also in Kid Dynamite. Michael Cotterman's playing bass. And so right. um, it's just great to be playing music with these guys. And uh, it was, you know, just a wonderful outlet to have during the pandemic. And now we've got a band. It's great stuff. And yeah, uh, listener, check out the show notes. You'll find a link. And yeah, well, thanks you for coming on. Means you got to put the link in. Yeah, I will. That means I got to do it. Yeah. But <laughs> we'll, thank uh, you for listening to every damn thing. We hope you enjoyed it. Thanks, Andrew, for coming on. Uh, oh, yes. If you need time to come back on, we can talk something that's not drums if you if you want to, or we can talk more drum stuff. Uh, it ruled. I'll come back anytime. Thank you <laughs> awesome. for having me, you guys. Uh, so, uh, listener, go to everydamthing.net for the updated list and show notes. Uh, if you have anything you'd like to add to the list, I'd like us to add to the list of everything uh, or anything else you want to say to us, email us at listedeverydamthing.net. Find us at Twitter. Instagram and Facebook, and you can suggest topics in there as well. Subscribe or follow the show wherever you listen. Our theme is by Jade Puget. If you enjoyed the show, rate and review it, please, on whatever platform you want. If you want to send us a screenshot of a five-star review, we'll uh, bump a submission of your choice to the top of the queue um, so it'll come sooner. Um, also, if you want to support the show, just tell your friends about it. And that's it. We're done. Uh, nice. Do you want to tell us a, um, the tagline for the show? Oh, of course, as always, we say... Thank you for listening. Yeah. Thanks for yes. everything. Uh, if only there's, I was trying to think of a pun that had to do with them. You can take that to the Thanks. rank, the blood rank. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs>